You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. podcast that's not your history class with me your host katie charlwood history harlot and reader of books so this week's episode's a little bit different because this was originally a patreon exclusive from way back i think it was one of the first or second ones ever did but there's a lot going on this week there's a bit of a move happening and with everything going on i wanted to make sure you still had something so That being said, if this move does go well, then I should have a pity sewed up for you on Thursday. All going well, she said tentatively. It has been a week, y'all. It has been a weird week because uh, we hit 100,000 downloads over the weekend, which was... This is fun. This is nice. This is exciting. 100,000 downloads. And, you know, there's more of you, you keep growing, and we're almost, like, we're getting pretty close to, like, a quarter of a million followers on TikTok as well. Like, it's, it is within reach. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. And on top of that, I finally got paid my sweet, sweet BBC money. And everyone keeps telling me, don't waste your money, don't buy crap, me, 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 and... I walked into Dunn's, and what did I see? But a hush puppy slushy machine. For like, 60, 70 euro. And I'm not gonna lie, I was incredibly tempted. I was so tempted, I was like, oh man, fucking love slushies. But did I buy the absolutely dream slushy machine? <clears throat> no. I was responsible. I'm going to buy a printer instead. I, at this point, I actually need a printer because I'm like signing contracts and shit needs scanned and stuff. So like I'm going to have to bite the bullet and actually get one because I don't have a printer at home. I haven't had a printer at home since before I had my comic book store. Like that's way back. That's a good few years now. I haven't had one in a long time, but like I need a printer... I need to do stuff. <sighs> being sensible. I'm being sensible. <laughs> I don't like it. It's not fun. And 
And in responsible move number two, the rest of the money is being spent on getting the kitchen done. <sighs> it it needed done. It's been 20 odd years since it was like last done. And like most of the stuff's there ready. We've got the cooker and everything and it's all ready to go. And however, if at the end of the month, I say the end of the month, next month, the end of next month, if I've got all my bills paid and everything's all sorted, I've got the kids' party sorted, I've got the bills paid, you know, refurb money is there and it's all done, then, then I shall maybe, hopefully, treat myself to a slushy machine. God, I want one so bad. Like, I know I shouldn't. It's kind of like how I want one of those old-fashioned popcorn makers. There's like a, it looks like a popcorn stall thing that you see at the like festivals and fairs and things and it's so cool it's got the, the circus stripes on it and I want one but it's so expensive and I currently have nowhere to put it but like still I want one but not the slushy machine oh god like it hurt me to walk away from that it really did ah oh. but I know what you're thinking you're thinking quit your chipper chopper in fact me in fact, you are well. But first, we gotta get our source on. Our sources are Ghost Towns by Sally Jacobs, Green Mountain Ghosts, Ghouls and Unsolved Mysteries by Joseph A. Citro, Weird America by Jim Brandon, and HistoryByDay.com. So, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then let's begin. So, we're talking about triangles. Don't worry, Pythagoras has nothing to do with this, to my knowledge. I'm sure you've heard of the Bermuda Triangle, or even the Bridgewater Triangle. But, have you heard of the Bennington Triangle? The Bennington Triangle is this area in southwestern Vermont... It's not an exact triangle, kind of like the Bermuda Triangle. It doesn't have an exact starting point or ending point or whatever. Um, like, we don't even know if it's isosceles or equilateral. I'm so sorry. That was a terrible, terrible shape joke. So this area is, like, as remote and as wild as fuck. And that's even by, like, Vermont standard. Because it's, like, a pretty, you know, what, a bunch of wilderness for the most part anyway. So the Bennington Triangle sort of includes not only the sort of remote Glastonbury area, which basically turned into a ghost town after, you know, logging declined, and encompasses, and so you've got Glastonbury, Somerset, Sha, you've got Glastonbury, then you get Somerset, which is, which was also basically a ghost town, and then you've got Shaftesbury, Woodford, and Bennington. And in this triangle, weird shit goes down. There is a string of disappearances and unsolved murders and I'm going to say weird stuff. And, you know, generally not good stuff happening. So over five years, from 1945 to 1950, people started disappearing. The first of which was on November 12th, 1945. 
Maddie Rivers, this 17-year-old, no, this 74-year-old local hunting guide, was leading a hunting party of four other people, and he was taking them around like Hell Hollow, which is in the southwest. She's like in the southwest of Glastonbury. So, you know, they've done their hunt and they're heading back, and he's a wee bit ahead of them, which is fine, because he's leading the hunt. He's the guide. He's leading them. But as he's a wee bit in front of them, gone. Never to be seen again. And because Maddie Rivers was an experienced hunter, woodsman, fisherman, everyone expected him to show up and just arrive back in town. But he didn't. And when Rivers doesn't show up, they launch this massive fucking search for eight days. And it's made up of 300 locals and US Army soldiers, but soldiers dispatched from from Fort Devens in Massachusetts. So they are like fine tooth comb going through the wilderness, searching for rivers. And the only thing they find of him in this entire time as they're going through the long trail was a solitary single rifle cartridge that they found in a stream. Uh, an unspent cartridge, so it hadn't been shot out the rifle. Like, so the theory was, so obviously everyone has their theories, and they think that like it dropped out of his pocket when he was leaning over the river for some reason. Because I'm sure somebody who had lived in the area, an experienced guide who knew the water and the land, like the back of his hand, would do something so silly. Like, alright, okay. But yeah, never seen again. A year later, so December 1st, 1946, Paula Weldon decides to go for a hike up the long trail. Because it's Thanksgiving break. Paula is, Paula's 18. She's studying at Bennington College. Because it's 1946 and there isn't a lot really to do when you're a teenager in 1946. And she decides that this is the best way to spend Thanksgiving break. So she's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go go for a wee hike up the up the long trail. And off she goes. Paula sets out for her hike. She's smart and she's wearing red, which should make her easy to spot, you know, in the green woods. Un- unless, of course, you've got red, green, colour blindness. But anyway, so Paula's heading out for her hike, dressed in red, which as colours go, you know, good idea. And on her way there, she has to stop and ask this dude for directions. Ernest Whitman, who is this, um, who works for the Bennington Banner newspaper. So he gives her directions to the trail and off she heads. And as she's walking up the trail, she's like about 90, she's like 100 yards, which is like 91 metres, like ahead of this elderly couple. Obviously she's younger, she's going to walk a wee bit quicker. And so they're going up the trail and they see her turn a corner. And by the time this couple get to the corner, she's nowhere to be seen. And they think nothing of it. They think she's probably just quicker than them, but fitter. She probably moved up quicker. So like, they didn't think anything suspicious of it at the time. On Monday morning though, when she didn't show up to her classes, people started to get worried. And then, yeah, and then another massive search is launched. And it's even bigger than it was for Mary Rivers. Because for for Paula, 
because over a thousand people show up to search for Paula. There's someone posts a reward of $5,000 for clues of her whereabouts and her safe return. They're even using aircrafts to try and find her. And even the FBI gets involved. And like Mary Rivers, she was never heard or seen from again. Like, because she's an 18-year-old, there were rumours like floating around that, that she had become a recluse living in the mountains, or that she'd fucked off to Canada with a boyfriend. They apparently just apparated. So, the next missing people is a twofer. A twofer one. We're going to talk about James and Pearl Tedford. James was 56 and his wife Pearl was 28. She was literally half his age. And as much as I think that's weird, that was very normal in the era. And as far as we know, things seem to be fine with them, or as fine as they can be for a 1940s couple. He serves in the army in World War II. After a second tour of duty for James and Pearl, James and Pearl are renting this property in Vermont. He goes out one day, comes back, and Pearl's not there. So yeah, he's come home. Pearl isn't there. A half-cooked meal is there? Like, she had started preparing a meal, but didn't finish it. All her clothes were still there, all her belongings. Like, she'd been seen by the neighbours and stuff. She seemed normal. She was heading to an Amoco store to get, you know, stuff for dinner. Supplies or something. So James, he reports her missing to the police. But, but she's never seen again. With the disappearance of his wife, he gets really fucking depressed. He stops going out, seeing his friends. He just sort of withdraws. And he can't fucking stand the idea of staying in his house. And he basically becomes this recluse. Things get so bad, he just moves into the soldier's retirement home in Bennington. And when he's staying there, he doesn't really make or have any friends. He's just kind of alone. So at some point his family are like come on and see us. So he heads over to St Albans. So at the end of November James goes to see some relatives in St Albans and then he gets the bus back to Bennington. Now and because of like the weather and everything the bus trip should have been like eight hours long. So he's on this bus exactly three years to the day that Paula Weldon vanished. He's sitting there on the bus and he is seen by 14 passengers and the bus driver on the second last stop of the route. So they had seen this old man on the second last stop, or basically the last stop before Bennington. But when the bus pulls into Bennington, James Tedford isn't there. So not only had no one seen James Tedford exit the vehicle, but all of his belongings were still in the luggage rack and an open bus timetable was left open in his seat. And according to the eyewitness accounts, James Tedford disappeared basically as the bus is travelling down Route 7 through the Bennington Triangle. So somewhere between the last stop and Bennington, James Tedford vanished. And making this even fucking weirder, all of his belongings are still in the luggage rack and all that's left in his seat is an open bus timetable.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The next person to disappear was an eight-year-old boy called Paul Jefferson. On October 12th, 1950, so Paul's gone along with his mom because she's off to feed some pigs, as one does. So Paul's mom and dad, they are these, they're basically caretakers of some kind. So when his mum goes off to feed the pigs, Paul's just sitting in there playing in the truck, happy as Larry. And when she comes back, he's not in the truck anymore. And Paul's mum said that he would have been easy to spot because he was wearing a red jacket. And yet again, and another search party gets launched. Hundreds of people are out looking for this wee boy. Like, And they even bring in bloodhounds. And this dog follows us in out to like this um, crossroads of a highway. So some people think he may have been abducted because they just kind of stop at these crossroads. But naturally, with all weird disappearances, rumours spiral. And of course, the rumour mill is churning with people accusing Paul's parents of killing their sons and feeding him to the pigs. And then, like, 16 days later, This 53-year-old experienced survivalist and hiker, Frida Langer, is out camping near the Somerset Reservoir with her family. And off she goes. So her and her cousin Herbert go for a wee hike along the long trail. Frida is really... And this is the thing, Frida's done this trail before. She's used to it. She's really familiar with the area. So... They're basically, her and her cousin Herbert, they're hiking for like half a mile and she falls into a stream, gets her clothes wet and she she tells him like she's going to head back to camp and change her clothes because, you know, she's fallen into a fucking stream. So Herbert, he continues on with his wee hike and when he gets back to the camp, like no one's seen Frida, not her husband, not any of the other campers, zilch, nada, niet, nothing. And over the next fortnight, there's a ton of searches. People are out searching for her. So basically 400 people comb the area. You've got the Massachusetts National Guard, you've got the so you've got aircraft from the from like peep general citizens and of course like and and the Vermont Aeronautics Commission. And not only that, they've got helicopters from the Connecticut Coast Guard and the Army. So they are just like fine tooth combing through this entire area. And they find nothing. However, six to seven months later, Frida, Frida Langer's body is discovered in this area, basically near the Somerset Reservoir, which is really fucking weird because that area had been had been searched with a fine fucking tooth comb. You had everybody looking in this area, and seven months earlier, her body was not there. And, to add insult to injury, the condition of her remains, her body had decayed so badly that they were not able, that they just couldn't determine a cause of death. 
And the thing is as well, Frieda Langer's body is the only one ever to be found. And the weirdest thing about all of this is like... So like all these people went missing in this one area and it's only this sort of vague area that connects them. And that is the story of the Bennington Triangle. So, what did we learn today? Uh, we learned to stay the fuck away from Bennington if you were travelling alone, I think as a rule of thumb. I feel like that also maybe avoid some buses, because that's kind of, that's kind of weird too. You know, that's about it. Also, yeah, yeah, I think that's what we've learned. That's, that seems correct. So, if you liked my telling of this piece of history, feel free to rate and review five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If it has a rating system, give me five stars. You don't have to say something nice. I'm not saying I wouldn't like you to, because of course I would. But if you don't feel like up to it, that's not a sentence. It's late and I'm trying to get this out in time. I'm so sorry. But yeah, if you do want to say something nice, just know that I'll be sitting there grinning like the Cheshire Cat on the other side of the screen. Oh, don't forget you can also follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all of the socials, all of the medias. Well, not all of the medias, like, I'm not on CBS and stuff, but, like, yet. Let's face it, the fact that History Channel hasn't hired me yet is a travesty. We all know. It's fine. Do you know what time it is? It's recommendation time. That's right. Watching, reading, listening. I had to think to myself, because in my brain I went, reading, writing, arithmetic. Some stuff just sticks with you over the years. You know how it is. You know how it is. So, for watching, because there are so many, so many great things to watch. Mmm... Like, I binged the entire Umbrella Academy in one night. That's the problem. I would rather they put, like, half the series, if they're going to, like, drop it, drop half the series, and then even the next week, drop the other half. Because my brain doesn't know how to switch off sometimes. So I will. Dead I stared. Brain melting out my ears that lumpy custard. And I'm on episode seven or eight. Of whatever show I'm binging. At two o'clock in the morning. And it's just. How do I put this? It's not. Opportune. It's not the best way to be. You know. You know. But yeah. So. Mm, do I recommend. You know what. Yeah. I'm going to go for Umbrella. Am I going to go for Umbrella Academy? I mean, you should definitely watch Umbrella Academy, but is it the recommendation of the week? Because Herogasm was, I mean, it was not, it was actually tamer than I expected it was going to be. But again, that is because ex-comic book store owner here read the comics. I I know how bad it gets. You know. Mm. But, fuck it, I'm recommending Umbrella Academy. 
mainly because of Robert Sheehan just being absolutely hilarious. <sighs> like, Klaus Diego and Five, they're just this triad of hilarity and I cannot, I cannot explain to you just how much fun I find the three of them together. Just their scenes alone. I mean, the ending was kind of, ugh, but the opening scene. Okay, okay it's kind of a, it, there's a dance off, there's a dancing scene and it is just fun. It's so fucking fun. I loved it. But I'm a completionist as well, so like I like to finish things. So if I watch the first season or something, you bet your ass, I'm on season 10. Like that's just how I roll. Which is probably why I don't watch soaps because they just go on forever. Hmm. Reading. For a moment, I did consider recommending, you know, the Umbrella Academy comics, because, you know, it's a theme. But instead, I'm actually going to recommend something I found to be more enjoyable. Again, she says tentatively, which was, and that would be Chew. C-H-E-W. There's a detective who only eats beets, because beets are the only food he can consume without living its memories like the last moments of its life so if it's a carrot he'll taste the carrot being ripped from the ground if he's eating a chicken like he, he sees like the I don't know the head chopping happening or however they kill chickens I don't know I, in my head I'm, I'm like it's either head chopping or electric shock I don't know why my brain goes to those two options but that's I mean Unless you're my friend, who at the age of like five, killed a chicken by hitting it over the head with a bucket. There's more than one way to slaughter a chicken. I'm just saying. Of course, listening. I have been listening to Batman Unburied on Spotify. I think it's by Warner Brothers. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? Because they own all the DC shit. But yeah, I've been listening to Batman Unburied. You really shouldn't be surprised that I'm listening to a Batman serial, considering I used to own Bat Manga, which still, I'm still upset I had to sell it years ago, like it was a a manga, but it was like the 1960s Batman, but it was like this big massive fuck off manga book, it was, oh it was so good, it was all in English thank god because I cannot read Japanese it's and I do not speak it it's very tonal and I feel like if I was trying to order like dinner I would insult someone's mother but anyway I am digressing because I am les tired and that's a joke from the 1900s I'm fairly certain was it back post millennium Ah, someone will tell me. Now, I am going to say farewell and bid you adieu. And I'll be back with a proper episode next time. Well, petty sword, hopefully. And I shall say goodnight to you. Adios. Au revoir. Avoir de zen, my friends. Uh, bye-bye.
What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers!